We are starting a new series today called, I'm fine, clearly you're not. <laughs> and today I'm talking about the truth about offenses. And pastor, that's, that's what this series is all about, is, uh, offenses, and how that's gripped so many of our hearts. Today I'm going to share the truth about offenses. I want to expose the works of the devil. I'm excited for Pastor Neil's message next week. He's going to cover Romans 12, uh, which has a lot to say on this topic as well. This series matters so much because it's happening in our world. There's a lot of offenses in our world. And if it's happening in our world, the Bible has something to say about it. Christianity, the Bible, is not irrelevant to our lives today. There's something that the Bible can say to everything that's happening in our, in our lives. In fact, let's just relate to this for just a minute. Think back to the year 2020 and 2021. Just think, pandemic, masks, me too, vaccine. Some of your blood pressure is going up already. Black Lives Matter, a divisive election, followed by the doubt about that divisive election. Can I just see a show of hands? How many of you lost a friend or had a strained relationship of some kind sometime in the past five years due to an offense of yours or theirs? There's some kind of hurt relationship that, some kind of wound or hurt that hurt a relationship. Can I see a show of hands? Yeah. We understand this idea of offenses pretty well, don't we? Offenses have been picked up by so many people so frequently that Pastor Matt actually says we are living in the most unprecedented time in history where offense is concerned. I don't know if it's ever been this bad. My goal today is to tell you the truth about offenses and to help you see that you have some. I'm not going to lie, I'm going to show you. In order to do that, I'm probably going to offend you. I'll just kind of say that ahead of time. <laughs> Probably going to offend you. Uh, I'll go with it. So let me just say in advance, I'm sorry. But that's kind of the point. That's kind of the point. I want us to realize that we have some offenses that we carry around with us. We pick them up so easy. We got to get the sticky off of our shoe if we're going to walk in the light. The Bible gets into all of it. And so I'm going to expose it. I want to expose why these offenses are so bad. We need to expose the works of the devil. And the way a lot of Christians responded to the last presidential cycle, frankly, was so embarrassing. I don't want us to head there again. I want to prepare us so we can walk in the light. So why are offenses so bad right now? I'd like to just help you see it. There's three naturally uh, natural factors that are contributing to this huge emphasis of offenses in our world. Three natural factors. The first is polarization of viewpoints. Conversations seem to be gone. Decency is gone. Civility, where'd it go? Take politics, for example. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, I did. I'm going. The Bible has something to say with all of it. Nine years ago, this is, this is before Clinton versus Trump, before the first Trump versus Biden. Nine years ago, the Pew Research Council released information showing the dividing of America, not just politicians, but America in their viewpoints of politics. It used to be that they, that Republicans and Democrats would talk to each other. And nine years ago, they said, uh oh, they see each other as the enemy. 
Christians. You know who the Bible says your enemy is, right? We battle not against flesh and blood, I thought, but against spiritual forces of darkness. Like the devil is our enemy. But nine years ago, the Pew Research Council said, Republicans and Democrats think each other are the enemy. We might have a problem on our hands. I haven't seen the research for the past nine years, but I'm pretty sure it's gotten worse. I think. I'm not even saying about that one political party is right and the others are wrong. God's the one that's right. I'm saying that there is an extreme polarization of viewpoints. So polarized, nobody can talk to each other. And if nobody can talk to each other, nothing ever gets better. It's not just political issues. Everything became political. And so everything became polarized. Race is no longer about God's love and compassion for all people. It's a political agenda. Sexual orientation is a political agenda. Caring for the poor is political. Abortion is political. It used to be that differing viewpoints could at least talk to each other respectfully, but that seems to have changed. Again, I'm not talking about politics or policy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that a total polarization of viewpoints, whether right or wrong, is a major major contributing factor for why there is so much offense walking around us today. It's not just politics. We have a major problem with confirmation bias. Have you heard of that before? Confirmation bias. It's when everything around you confirms what you think. Because of cancel culture, this one confuses me because I've, I've seen a, a news program that is typically the liberal one. They say that the conservatives are doing cancel culture. And I've seen a news network that's typically, typically the conservative one that says the liberals are doing cancel culture. We all do in cancel culture. And because of cancel culture, the idea is you don't agree with me, cut you off, you dummy. I'll unfriend you. I'm going to unfollow you. I'm going to like the things I like. Watch the news that agrees with what I say. And before long, the only thing I ever hear is stuff that agrees with me. And so I'm biased towards what everyone says. Not everyone says that. Again, I'm not talking about right or wrong. This is about how we get offended at people that see it differently than us. I'm not saying, like, oh, Pastor Adam said something's wrong that's right. This is about how we get offended at people that see it differently. They very well may be wrong, but that's still someone Jesus died for. That's still someone that has thoughts and values that are equally valid to my own. They can be wrong, but that's a human being that Jesus died for there. They're still worthy of respect. So there's been a great polarization of viewpoints in our, in our society. That's really made uh, offenses really easy to pick up. The second natural thing that's occurring that's causing offenses to be very easy to pick up is the news media outlets who make money off of our offenses. Everybody's selling something. Everybody's selling something. Everybody's trying to make a living. And then the news media outlets are out to make a living. They are. They have to. And they make money by selling advertising. So you are the product. Your attention is their greatest asset. Are you with me? 
If you're not paying attention, they can't sell advertising. These are just facts. That's how it works. Therefore, in light of the polarization of viewpoints, what news outlet in their right mind, because one group thinks the other group is a total idiot, what news outlet in their right mind would provide middle-of-the-road commentary? We want to hear the things that agree with us. I'm not saying that the news is your enemy. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're all lying and they can't be trusted. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that their commentary will rarely be unbiased or wholly truthful. Do not trust commentary at the same degree that you would trust facts of news. However you consume your news, I want to encourage you. Do so with your brain intact. Can we do that? Keep our brain there. Their existence depends on us being glued to it. Because if we're not glued to it, they can't sell advertising. We, they, they want to get us glued to it. Let me say it differently. They're trying to get your goat. They're, they're trying to get your goat. They make money off of our fear, our anger, our division, and offense. That doesn't make the news your enemy. The devil is your enemy. They're just trying to make a living. But maybe, maybe that makes, that makes us a little foolish for falling for it. Here's the third reason offenses have gotten so bad. So bad. Have I offended you yet? I hope, I hope so. Third, the third thing that... That's the point. That's the point. The third thing that's making um, offenses so bad, natural factor that's causing offenses to be so bad right now is social media. Everybody's got a, a venue to fully vent their gripes and their concerns to everybody else. It doesn't seem real, does it? Gosh, there's some people that say things to other people on social media that they'd never say to another human being. So it's not, it's not real. It's, but there, there's a real person on the other side of it. It's real. I had one friend who posted something on Facebook that was absolutely, totally not true. I mean, it was, it was totally bogus. And I said, I said to him, I said, you, you know that's not true, right? And he said, oh, yeah, I know. I said, why, why'd you do that? Like, why, why would you post it if you don't actually think it? And he said, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just putting it out there. I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand that. You're just, you're just putting it out there? You're just putting out a lie? We only would do that if we feel like it's, not real. You know, it's not real. There are real people on the other side of it listening to the lie. Is he talking about? No, whatever. I'm... Social media has fueled the great uh, offenses that we pick it up. Those are some natural reasons that I see that are fueling Offenses. I don't think social media is from the devil. I don't think viewpoints are from the devil. I don't think the news media outlets are from the devil. But the devil will use whatever he can to ruin what God does. Those are just natural things that are occurring. But I think the devil, the devil, is, the devil will use whatever he can. But there's a spiritual thing that's occurring that's causing offenses to be so great. The devil is as real as Jesus. And he hates us and he hates anything that resembles God. We are made in God's image. We are supposed to be the body of Christ. And so when we're working free, when we together are walking in the light, we're the body of Christ. 
Satan hates the body of Christ. The devil wants to take away anything God has done. This is Satan's strategy. The, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. So let me ask you, have you noticed how easily offended you get? Have you noticed that? Oh, not me, Pastor Adam. I stay, I stay out of all that. I don't have social media. Okay, maybe you're out of that one. I, I stay out of the, the fray. I'm not easily offended. Okay, Pinocchio. Watch that news. Offenses come in all shapes and sizes. My goal right now is to help you see that, that it's easy for all of us to step into this. Let me give you a few signs of some offenses. Rolling your eyes. Angry outbursts. How about this? Changing the channel. I don't mean, I mean, yeah. changing the channel. Scoffing. I looked that up. If you want the definition of scoffing, the definition of, definition of scoffing, I looked it up. It's <laughs> scoffing. <laughs> Laughing under your breath. Gossiping when they leave the room. Making a judgment call in someone else's heart based on your perception of their actions. Yes. Labeling someone else in your mind. Forming a negative opinion about someone based on somebody else's opinion about that person. Or closing your heart off to someone. All of these things occur because of offenses. And these are, these are spiritual things. All day long, our hearts are, are picking up micro offenses. It's kind of like if you have like, um, like a table with little stuff on it, little, little crumbs or something, and you have Play-Doh, and you roll it all over. That Play-Doh is like your heart. And you pick it up. You want to you wanna touch that Play-Doh? That's gross Play-Doh. It's going to have a bunch of gunk in it. And that's the kind of thing that happens to our hearts. We roll around in our sinful world just a little bit too much, and we got some gunk. Some of us had a traumatic thing occur in our past, and we're not even aware of how it's affecting us today. But it is. It's causing a lot of scoffing. It's causing a lot of scoffing attitudes. that's you, I encourage you, you need to get in a freedom group. They're open right now and they fill up. They fill up. They really will. It is affecting us. It is holding us back. And we are spending way too much time walking in the dark. When God has called his people to walk in the light. Let me show you what I mean. Let me, let me prove it. First John says this. Let's, let's study the scripture. First John it says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness, but they do not know where they're going because the darkness had blinded him. Now, you may read that and think, oh, good, why, why I don't hate anybody? That's good, I don't hate anybody. Watch out, Pinocchio. We're, we're going to get on this. Let's expand our mind here a little bit on what this word Hate means. The Greek word is miseo, and it's referring to, it can refer to, uh, to detesting based upon a moral comparative basis. Like, love less than. Doesn't mean hateful. Like in English, when we say hate, it always means hate. But this word can mean comparative. 
I love you less than. Jesus used that word in Luke 14, 26. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not, Maseo, hate. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Jesus is not saying we have to be hateful towards our family. I love my family. I love my wife and children. I love my father and mother. But I love Jesus more. I love Jesus more. That, so, so it's comparative. So it's comparative. So if we look back to 1 John, it says anyone who hates a brother or sister, or it could say anyone who loves their brother or sister less than themselves is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Do you see that this is most of us? This is all of us at some time or another. Loving the, your brother or your sister less than yourself is walking in the darkness. The second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And when Jesus was asked, who's my neighbor? Jesus described the most despicable person that the hearer would have thought of, a Samaritan. They had every reason in the world to hate Samaritans. There was a race reason. There was a religious reason to hate them. There was a historical reason to hate them. They were very hated by the Jews. And Jesus said, that's your neighbor. Love him. Love him. So John is saying that when we love our brother and sister less than we love ourselves, when we make that comparison, you know, you're, my viewpoint's the right one. And there is a right and wrong. I'm not saying there's not a right and a wrong. But when we do that, we're walking in the darkness. Is it any wonder that the world is fumbling around? Stumbling. Thankfully, we do not have to take our cues of how to feel from the news, co-workers, an angry husband, or from your For You page. We take our cues of how we should feel from Jesus. Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's doing it. But my purpose, Jesus says, my purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. Jesus came so we could live different. We should live differently. So let me share with you, I'm going to expose the works of the devil here. Four truths of offense. Four truths of offense. Here's number one. Living offended is Satan's plan. It's Satan's strategy for our lives. It is Satan's strategy for our lives. God, Jesus told us that uh, we should be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to have a positive impact on the world. Paul called us Christ's ambassadors. So I want you to think about somebody, just for a moment. Let's just think about somebody who uh, is just living pretty offended. They're pretty bitter. They're mad about a lot of stuff. You know that person, Debbie Downer. Gloomy Gus. Do you know Gloomy Gus? Furious Frank. Negative Nelly. Think about that person real quick. Are they attractive? Do, do, do you want to be like them? No. So why wouldn't Satan try to make all of us? Why wouldn't Satan try to make God's body Christians, mean and mad and frustrated and joyless and afraid and angry through offense all the time. It's a brilliant strategy on Satan's part. I got to hand it to him. We get fired up feeling like we're carrying the torch, but the torch is going to get snuffed out because nobody wants to be like us. And Satan's strategy is working unless we do something to fight it. Here's the second truth about offenses. Living offended 
hinders us. It hinders us. See, when we get hurt, I'm not hurt, I'm just angry. Well, under that anger is a hurt. That's what that is. When we get hurt, we build a wall. And it's a wall around our heart. At first, that wall may even be helpful. Because the wall protects us from bad stuff. We might need it. But that offense or that hurt becomes a part of us. As it's there long enough, we begin to feel like it belongs. Like it's supposed to be there. It starts to settle in. I, this is part of who I am. This defensiveness is part of who I am. This is part of how I am. God must have made me this way. No, you put the bricks there. You, you might have been putting them there since you were four. We build more and more. And we start to believe lives and strongholds like I'm supposed to protect. Or I'm supposed to defend. God's got that. If you trust him. The thing about walls is that they not only keep out the, the bad, but they also keep out the good stuff too. If we're not cautious, we become hindered because the walls that we build up keep out the goodness that God is trying to bring to our lives. And we keep others out. I have a water hose as an example. It's a illustration of how God can flow blessing into our lives. The work of the Spirit can flow into our lives. But as we hang on to offenses, our life just starts to get a little kinked up. And then drizzle starts to come. And we get angry. See, there's actually a military strategy that, that, that militaries have used. It's a little bit inhumane, but what they do is they cut off all the... They, they surround a, a city that they're trying to defeat, and they cut out all the supply. So the people inside, even the civilians, don't have any more food. They don't have any more resources. And once they cut off the supply to the city, they just got to wait. They don't have to fight. They don't have to do anything. They just wait. And they dry up, and sooner or later, that whole city just says, okay, we give up, and out they come. If Satan can get us to, to pick up offenses, if he can drop a little bait and get us to pick up offenses... All he's got to do is wait. All he's got to do is wait. We're going to dry right up. We're going to dry right up and, and not... See, God's called us to... Uh, the Bible says we are his workmanship, created to do good works, which God long ago prepared for us. You ain't, ain't going to do it. All Satan's got to do is get you offended, and then that verse will not be true for us. It will still be true. You are created for it, but you won't be able to fulfill it. Am I making sense? Living offended stops the flow of the Spirit in our lives, and it hinders us. If that's not bad enough, here's number three. Living offended doesn't just affect us. It does not. When we are offended, we're collecting hurts. It's like the Play-Doh rolling around over a dirty table. We're collecting it. And our reaction is often, we always got to personalize it, right? It's got to be a person. We want to blame somebody. We personalize everything when we find someone to blame. Maybe some of these phrases go through your head. If they wouldn't have, if they hadn't, if she didn't, those leaders wouldn't. Why can't they just understand that? This blame puts distance between ourselves and other people. And sometimes not just the one person we're offended with, but others. The Bible says something about this. Hebrews twelve fifteen says, See to it, no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And by it, 
many, everybody say many, many, many become defiled. Notice three things in this verse. Number one, springs up. Like, like the root of bitterness can spring up. Oh, I don't have that. I don't just, just hang on. All it takes is just one little, one little bait of Satan and all it takes is Now you got it. I just know that's going to be a YouTube clip tomorrow. <laughs> Me doing that. You got your, got your gift, everybody. Number two, it causes trouble. You can't think it's not going to hurt anybody. It causes trouble. That root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And number three, it's not just you. Many will be defiled, polluted, stained. That's what that word means. It doesn't just affect you. Here's the fourth. Nope, I'm not ready for that yet. If you don't deal with your traumatic event, the hurt in your heart, or even the sediment or bitterness of your spirit, your friends, your spouse, and their children, they will all bear the weight of it. Jesus can help you. We can help you get to them. Get in a freedom group. Every believer should do a freedom group. Every Christian can benefit from a freedom group. Isn't it great we can talk about this stuff at church? I'm so thankful and grateful that God gave us a vision. We, we help lost people be found, found people be free, and free people empowered. And I think our church is a little unique in that, that we, we take time to get, get deep in helping people get free. We want you to get free. Jesus can help. We can help you get there. We can help you get there. And Freedom Groups is the main way that we can do that here. And I'm so proud that, uh, I'm proud to be in a church that gets to do that. Amen. We get to help you get to Jesus. I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to do that. And I can't wait to do it more. Amen. My wife and I, last night, we gave him the heart for the house offering so that at the future South Auburn location, more people will be found, more people will be free, more people will be empowered. And it was a great blessing for us to, it was a great blessing to me anyway, we haven't talked about it, but uh, to sit there and help our kids listen to what God wanted to say so that they can give above their 10% too. Um, so I'm excited to see what God's going to do uh, through the, that offering today. Amen. Here's the fourth one. Fourth truth about offense. Number four, living offended breaks the heart of God. It breaks the heart of God. Here's why. Our sin separates us from God. We deserve to die, right? This is just simple gospel. We deserve to die, but Jesus died for us. So when we trust in him, we can have everlasting life the way he wants it. Yet when we live offended, we're choosing to ignore what God did. He forgave you so that you forgive others. That's part of the deal. We are to be forgiven forgivers. How dare we receive God's grace but not pass it on to someone? Especially someone else, someone that did far less to us than we did to him. He forgave us of everything. So if, if we are to be Christ-like, living offended breaks the heart of God. There's a time to stand up for truth. And there's a way to stand up for truth. We act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. That's the way you do it. With justice, mercy, and humility. James 2.13 says, says, kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. So what's needed? What's needed? Here's what's needed. I have three things. Here's what's needed. Number one, grace. Grace is needed. Nobody's perfect. 
And the person you've been offended at or hurt by very well may have been wrong. They're just wrong in a different way than you're wrong. We're both sinners, right? We both, at the foot of the cross, we are all equal. Destined to hell without saving work of Jesus. And that same grace we've received is the grace that we need to give to others. Depending on the issue, perhaps even if they're wrong. See, Ephesians 4 tells us, make a clean break. Everybody say, clean break. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. But that guy's really wrong. They're, they're wrong. Does that make it okay for you to have profane talk? Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. Be gentle with one another. Sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. That's number two. The second thing that's needed, we need grace. We need forgiveness. That's number two. When we for, are forgiving, we're saying, I don't hold this against you. The, the word judge in Greek also can mean decide, like I'm making a decision. I don't need to decide, right? Like, like uh, I talked earlier about comparing myself to someone else. If I don't, I need to love others like myself. But instead I do this thing where I compare them and I don't love them as myself. I don't need to decide. I don't need to judge. When I forgive, I'm saying, God does it. God decides. God judges. He takes care of it. Forgiveness is a command, and you're able to do it with or without the person ever even knowing it. Forgiveness. Now, reconciliation requires two. It takes two to tango and reconcile. But it takes one to forgive. You can just do it. So we need grace. We need forgiveness. And number three, we need empathy. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. Christians ought to lead the way in this. We really should. Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. So, so Christians ought to lead the way in empathy. Try to understand the feelings of another person. But they're wrong! Right. Sure. But a fool has no interest in understanding. It helps me minister to somebody when I understand why they're wrong. You don't have to agree with someone to understand them. So when you're watching the news, when you're reading something, when you're texting somebody, when someone's talking to you, and you think, can I challenge you? Start with empathy. Start there. Try to understand what the other person is actually feeling. Don't just start with your own opinion. Start with, where are you? Why? Because that's somebody Jesus died for. Wrong as they may be, Jesus died for them. When we're dealing with somebody else that thinks differently than us, we can just remember we don't know. We don't know what they went through. We don't know their story. We may think we do, but we don't know unless we ask. We just don't know. Would you stand with me? Every few years, I like to pull this quote out because it's a really good one. And I, I, I'll stop saying it when I, when I don't need to say it anymore. But this, here's a quote by Rick Warren. He says, Our culture has accepted two huge lies. 
The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. Offenses will ruin our witness, church. Will ruin our witness. So what's needed? Grace. Forgiveness. Empathy. It's time we stop picking up offense. And instead we start picking up grace. Let's take the Play-Doh of our heart and roll it around in forgiveness. Let's roll it around in forgiveness. That starts by saying, Lord, I'm not perfect and I know I'm not. I surrender to you. We're just rolling our heart around in God's forgiveness. It's time we pick up empathy. Care about, be compassionate towards someone around us. Let's pray. God, you loved and forgave us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for shepherding our hearts. And Lord, we see now, you're showing us even now, how things of our past are still being sticky. Some of our reactions right now are being caused by stuff from a long time ago that we just didn't let go of. So Lord, we ask you to unkink our hose so we can receive more of you, God. We want you to heal our heart. Let's lay it down.